the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth with us today. I'm Gabby Smith along with David Dawson. Hey Dave, happy Wednesday. It is a happy Wednesday. As I'm driving to work today, Gabby, I'm seeing sprinkles on my windshield. Now, I mean, you know, that isn't much, but it's more than I've had in like three weeks. So there's actually moisture in the air. After that, I don't know what happens. So let's let's just wait and see. It's coming. It's coming. Oh yeah, yes. that's right. Johnny Abear joins us. Hey, Johnny, good morning. All right. Well, we, I, I, think, yeah, I think we got a little gap in sound there with a little connection. But, uh, Gabby, what do you have coming mm-hmm. up on the show this morning? Well, first, uh, Dave, if you don't mind, we'll get started off with prayer, if you don't mind sure. joining us for a wonderful show in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. St. John the 23rd, pray, pray for, for us. us. I want to make sure yeah. I got those Roman got you, numerals got your correct. and eyes right. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's the Super Bowl that tricks me now. <laughs> you you know, had to look at it for a while and say, Gabby, hello. the day just got started, and I've already heard the joke that he's famous for already. You, you've heard the same joke that he always that, that he's famous for that he told to an interviewer. Do you know no. that one? When somebody came uh, up to St. him. St. John? Yeah, Saint John, Pope, Pope Saint John. Uh, someone had come up and said, "How many people work in the Vatican?" And his answer was, "About half." <laughs> Baboom! <laughs> I thought it was a yeah, I, I, look. I still love that joke, but it's already been said on the radio this morning, and you'll probably hear it four more times as you turn into the radio. But hey, I wanted to throw it in there too. <laughs> There you go. We will learn more. We will learn more about our saint of the day later on in today's show, but we're looking forward to Johnny's gospel reflection at seven after. Stay with us for that. In 18 minutes, Peter Finney joins us. He is the editor of the Clarion Herald, which is the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and he is going to be updating us on what you'll be finding in this week's issue. In 35 minutes, Dr. Tom Neal joins us. He is the chief of evangelization and mission engagement of the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. And today we are talking about the spiritual value of Offer It Up. You ever get oh, that? Oh, You complain yes. and someone says, yes. Offer It Up. And I then... remember hearing that. <laughs> yeah, which just made me madder, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. But, yes. now, no, but, the, but there is something to be said for that. I mean, you know, yes. when, when something's said over and over again, it does get old and tired. But spiritual suffering, I mean... Is that the word? Redemptive suffering is yeah. what I'm trying to say. There Boy, there's, there's something, there's something wonderful about that. Once you learn how, so I hope. And look, yes. nobody can do it better than Dr. Neil. 
Except for Johnny yes, Abear, of I, course. So uh, <laughs> I, I suffer agree. a lot just being Johnny Abear. <laughs> believe me. No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and Jordan Haddad joins us. He's a professor of dogmatic theology over at Notre Dame Seminary and the president of the St. Louis the Ninth Art Society. Today we are continuing our segment of Catholic 101, and he's talking about faith and reason. So they just had a baby. Hey. Jordan did. Jordan, well, his wife did, well, but I, his yeah. family. Sure, now I mean, welcoming a new person in their family. Oh, Congratulations wonderful. to the Haddad family. Yes. Yeah, so I'm glad we're having Jordan on with us. Hopefully we'll get a little baby update. Yep. Uh, but stay with us. We have your gospel and reflection coming up right after the break. It is five past the hour on Wake Up. Today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 11. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not subject us to the final test. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Well, guys, you know, we all have our prayers. We do them in the morning and the evenings, hopefully. But there's one prayer that just stands out among them all, and it's the only one our Lord Jesus gave to us. So it stands to reason, you know, that the church, in fact, uh, the catechism has a whole section just on the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And boy, when you read about that in the catechism, talking like paragraph 2761, it's it just opens it up to how beautifully and how perfect this prayer is. In fact, it's not me saying that. I want to quote a couple of our early church fathers. Listen to this, to, to what St. Augustine said about our Lord's Prayer. He says, Run through all the words of holy prayers and scriptures, and I do not think that you will find anything in them that is not contained and included in the Lord's Prayer. Wow. The whole hmm. gospel is wow. in this prayer. Yeah. And then if you listen, listen to this great other quote here by Thomas Aquinas, and I love this. He said, the Lord's Prayer is the most perfect of prayers. In it, we ask not only for all the things we can rightly desire, but also in the sequence that they should be desired. This prayer not only teaches us to ask for things, but also in what order we should desire them. And so it tends to unfold itself that way. But, you know, I was really moved. I had a friend of mine tell me, remind me about the story of Immaculate Ilibigiza. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think we're all familiar I- with her, you know. Ilibigiza, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, in fact, I got a picture of her right here, you know. If you're looking article. at the video. Yes, if you're not, If you're you looking should. at the video. That's right. Yeah, beautiful. She's lady. very pretty. And mm-hmm. very, and, and she, the power of the Lord's Prayer really bears itself out in life and in death if, if, it's, if it's facing us. And she, of course, as you may know, you know, she was uh, uh, in that Rwandan uh, genocide of right. 1994. She had to hide in a little three-by-four bathroom with seven other women for 91 days. Goodness. <laughs> oh I can't gosh. imagine. And What were the dimensions of that bathroom, Johnny? What were the dimensions? Three-by-four. Three-by-four? With how many women? And they were soldiers always all around all the time for whatever reason. Well, we will know the reason in a minute. You know, the soldiers did not open the door, didn't see that. 
And, she, and I'm going to quote her here because she tells the story of the Our Father here and how it helped. How can I forgive the people who are trying to kill me, she said. If I had God's power, I'd kill them all in an instant. That's yeah. what she was thinking. Of course, I would think far worse you know, than that. And what's interesting about this, of course, Our, our Lady had appeared, oh, yeah. uh, the Virgin Mary, under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows in 1981 in a small town there in Capejo, in a warning that rivers of blood would flow if Rwanda's people didn't change, the mm. racism there and the hatred going on, you know. And uh, before, she, before she was captured there, her father had given her her rosary and said, uh, and then he sent her into hiding. So for 91 days, she's in there. And here's where the, the call to forgiveness, I, I can't imagine watching your friends, your family, by the thousands mm-hmm. being killed, and you can see this happening. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, it, what it does to you. And so she started doing a rosary, and she, had a little, uh, and she says, I, I realized I was in trouble. She said, God was saying I couldn't go to heaven if I couldn't forgive those who were trying to kill me. And so here she says, she said, when she was praying the Our Father, as she's in this room for all these days, the phrase, as we forgive those who trespass against us, made her so uneasy, she decided just to omit it altogether. <laughs> she, she'd say the Our Father, wow. she wouldn't say that part. Wow. That way she wouldn't be lying you know, to God. And she says, this went on for days until she felt another voice telling her, quote, I hope you know our Lord's prayer is not man-made. Jesus himself said these words, and he can't make mistakes, Gosh. unquote. You know, and that's the difference we mentioned earlier, our Lord gave us this prayer. And so she says, this was then for the first time I understood the meaning of surrender. I felt God telling me, you don't have to know how to do it all on your own. Give it to me. That's what she felt him say. Mm. And she said, fine, I'll say the prayer, but I still don't know how to forgive. She said, please help me. And then she struggled with this for the while, and she said, Finally, it came to the end, she said, at the foot of the cross, when she realized Jesus said from the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they are doing. And I'm going to quote her now again. She says, it was in that moment that I truly got it. It was like Jesus was handing me the formula to forgive. He was telling me, the people who are trying to kill you don't get it. They don't even measure the consequences that will come to them. Being like them will not change anything learn from me unquote that's what mm. she recalls mm-hmm. and so she says you know she realized as long as these people were alive they still had an opportunity to turn from hate to love with god's grace just as she had experienced she says i knew then i would spend the rest of my life praying for people who were on the side of hate wow in fact uh people would uh when she would go back there uh, when she returned to rwanda in person she did forgive all those who killed her family members some people she even grew up with and finally ended this way this just she said and then she's she's helping us she says i know the pain and the damage of unforgiveness so i plead to you dare to forgive hold on to god pray the rosary read the bible go to mass there is so much joy so much freedom in forgiving dare to do it wow and i always think we go to math mass sometimes and our priest will say before we do the our father at mass and we dare to say right know? right and that's mm-hmm. the beauty that's of the true. our father you know our father dares we're dare to look up to our father and call him our 
Father, our Abba, dare to do it. But he's redeemed us, and that's only possible because of Jesus Christ himself who's come to us. So this is not just a prayer that Jesus said, yeah, here's one to fill in the gaps. Oh, it's Jesus himself's words ringing to us, and they have such power and such such life. Right, guys? What, it's it's just an, think? Uh, oh, amazing. Goodness. Amazing. And you picked a wonderful story when you're talking about forgiveness because it is so uh, intense, you know, especially the very end of the story when they call her back. For, you know, the prosecution calls her back, and she's facing the people who persecuted her, and she forgives them right there, which stunned everyone, you know. But it's just, I don't know, it's just amazing and beautiful, beautiful, amazing. I highly recommend the book, Left to Tell. Great. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. 100%. Well, with God, all things are possible. Well, let's read about what's mm -hmm. happening in our area and how our Lord's Prayer is helping us. We're going to join Peter Finney with the Clarence Herald. It is now quarter past the hour. You're listening to the truth. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 11th. Today we celebrate Pope St. John XXIII. Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli got a simple start in life in 1881 as the firstborn son of a farming family in northern Italy. Following his ordination in 1904, he filled a series of increasingly challenging church posts. These included service as a papal diplomat in World War II, when then-Bishop Roncalli helped save an estimated 24,000 Jews. Later, as Pope, he sought to help resolve the Cuban Missile Crisis. In 1962, four years into his papacy, John convened the Second Vatican Council. Its purpose was not to focus on errors, but to let some fresh air in. The refreshing breezes continued to circulate in his encyclicals, which focused on church unity, social justice, and world peace. He also promoted dialogue with Protestant and Orthodox Christians, Muslims, and Jews. People of goodwill around the world mourned John the Twenty-Third's death in 1963. He was beatified in the year 2000 and canonized by Pope Francis in 2014. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. past the hour, you're tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Johnny A. Bear and Gabby Smith, and right now we have Peter Finney. He's the editor of the Clarion Herald, the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and uh, I understand, Peter, you have been to Ireland and Scotland, so top of the morning to you, sir. Uh, top of the morning. I don't know what time it is right now exactly, but it was, uh, it was a wonderful 10-day pilgrimage. We, uh, we took about 42 uh, pilgrims from the mostly from the Archdiocese of New Orleans mm -hmm. to Ireland and to uh, and to Scotland. Wow! And uh, we we had a fantastic time. Just uh, the just the, the the scenery, and then of course we visited all kind of uh, sacred sites and churches. But it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And to Father Billy O'Reardon, mm -hmm. who's the pastor at St. Anne Church, led the pilgrimage. And of course, he was born uh, in County Cork, and oh. so he was. Uh, he, he just, uh, he let us... Uh, he was really, going uh, home. So well. Yeah, yeah. He was going home. That's right. right. And Father Billy's family uh, is a horse horse family. They have a farm, and Ooh. they raise, and they, they breed uh, show-jumping horses. They still do that today. Oh, my. And he talked all about that, 
and uh, and about his background in Ireland. The people are so uh, delightful there, and also in Scotland. So uh, it was a great. Uh, if anybody ever has a chance to go to Ireland and Scotland, it's just uh, you know jump at it. The, the visual, uh, you know, God's nature is just incredible. You know, and and I. I, the only sacred place that I know in Ireland, I mean, I'm sure there's beautiful churches everywhere. I just know of Knock, where where uh, the apparition appeared of Our Lady and uh, St. John the Baptist. Talk. Did, did you go there? You, we, 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 were, we were unable to go there. Okay. We, we, went, we circled the entire island and oh, uh, we okay. went you know, to, to many, many different places. So think about Ireland. The, the roads are, uh, are, are small compared yeah. to America. So you're on this big bus and a two-lane road is winding, you know, very narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> just, it, it just, just one. There's, every, there's a church. There's five churches in every, every little village. You yeah. know, it's incredible. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've been told they have some beautiful churches around there and—, and, and you know that I need to go because it, it's all sacred over there. So uh, anyway, that's right. that's right. All right, talk about Hope Bistro. You have, there, there's a new kitchen at uh, Hotel Hope. That's right. And for those who don't know, Hotel Hope was started in 2016. It's incredible ministry. It really is directed mm-hmm. to homeless women mm-hmm. with children. So uh, it's kind of it has a niche about you know taking families who are in crisis getting them off the street and helping them kind of just get back on their feet with literacy, job, job training, obviously shelter, a room and board, shelter, and food, and, and a place for kids to be safe. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they okay. bought in uh, 2018 a 24-room hotel uh, in, in inner city New Orleans mm-hmm. and have, have slowly re- redeveloped the property to, to provide more housing for women and their families. And now just recently, just last week, they kind of uh, cut the ribbon on a new dining hall and kitchen facility where it's going to allow the the people who stay there to eat together. And uh, rather than uh, previously, they've had to kind of have their their food, but they're kind of eating in their rooms. that oh. are kind of small. Now they have a community place, and it's just a growing, growing ministry uh, that's really needed uh, at this time. So it was started by the Presentation Sisters. Uh, Presentation Sister Mary Lou Specka is mm-hmm. the executive director, and the Vincentians have helped out. So it's a wonderful ministry, and it's just getting stronger every day. Hey, we, we, we've spoken to Sister Mary Lou, and she actually talked about mm-hmm. the food situation and how they had to eat. So this is a big deal, getting their own kitchen. Yeah. I, can, I can only imagine what that's like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And as they said, so the family just get a chance to, to meet each other and, mm-hmm. to, and to share, share meals with each other. It's just a, another wonderful thing you know, yeah. to kind of give them get that back on their feet and, and you know, uh, heading in the right direction. Well, last time we talked to you, this hadn't happened yet, but they had a huge youth conference uh, down there. Talk about that. Sure did. Uh, more than 1,000 uh, teens, mostly 7th uh, uh, through 12th graders in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, along with uh, 200 adult uh, youth, youth ministers uh, from around the area. Uh, they all got together uh, at Jesuit High School, mm-hmm. and uh, just a wonderful conference, a bunch of speakers, a bunch of workshops, and mass, and adoration with Archbishop Amen. Uh, but uh, jo- Father Josh Johnson, who's a priest of Baton Rouge, uh, mm-hmm. he was, and he's the, he's the vocations director in Baton Rouge, gave the kind of a keynote speak, speech, and he talked about what kind of stops uh, maybe uh, kids, teenagers, from maybe building a relationship with Jesus and many times he said it's like the fear, the fear, the fear of being unworthy yeah. of Jesus' love, because everybody has mm. messiness in their lives, and the, the fear of saying, you know, going to Jesus because hey, I'm not worthy enough. But he said he kind of likened to t- taking a shower. He says, do you ever do you do you kind of clean yourself 
off before you take the shower? No, you, you go and take the shower, and then you're clean. And Je- and Jesus does that. And he said, don't ever be afraid to come to Jesus, even if you you, you don't feel worthy. And I think that was a really good point, you know, to make uh, to the kids. That's a good analogy. Taking a shower before yeah. a shower because you don't feel clean enough to take a shower. That is great. That's right. Yes, and Christ yeah. is the shower. It's, it's a wonderful image, and I think it really it, it strikes in his home because so many people just say, "Oh no, you know, I did this or that, and." I just, you know, I'm just going to kind of, I'll wait, I'll wait till another day, you know? Yeah. He said, no, you can't wait for another day. My goodness. uh, That was a really good message. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Okay, so you got your bridal registry uh, in this issue coming up, right? Yes, and it, it's it's a great thing because it, it helps uh, uh, engage couples uh, kind of prepare for their wedding, and not uh-huh. just for the wedding day, but also for the for their marriage. And uh, we have a couple of uh, interviews with uh, Father Colm Cahill, who yeah. is uh, he is a vocations director in New Orleans, but he does a lot of weddings. Uh, he does probably twenty five weddings a year, and uh, he talks about some of his experiences with uh, with with couples and and how uh, you know uh, when they are uh, centered. Uh, uh, in the in the church and part of a parish community, how important that is uh, in your married life. And then uh, we have a, a talk with uh, Jason Angelette, who is the head of the marriage yes. ministry at Willwood's community, mm-hmm. and he runs a bunch of uh, married couples retreats. And uh, he gets he gets uh, married couples to become mentor couples uh, in the archdiocese to help mm-hmm. uh, young people prepare for marriage. So, uh, in addition, we have all kind of uh, lists uh, from the different churches how to. You know how to contact churches if you want to uh, think about this church for your for your wedding. So all that information is in the bridal registry. Well, this sounds like a valuable uh, insert here because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I pictured get your wedding cakes here. Here's these pretty dresses. Here's these <laughs> venues. You know that's what you always see everywhere. But this sounds like it's right. concentrating on the rest of their lives and their relationships, and that is so so important, Peter. That that oh, that's, it, that's it. Really is. Yeah. It, it, it really is, and and a couple of a couple of our uh, guest columnists talked about the necessity of uh, a couple, you know, joining together in prayer because you know there's going to every every marriage is going to have tough times, and, and yes. you have to realize that. And if you can if you can kind of focus uh, on on Jesus, uh, that is that is a key to to helping you overcome a lot of obstacles. You know, we, we have always said because my wife and I had had dabbled a little bit in marriage preparation and uh one thing that we emphasize to couples is you are doing so much preparation for that one day you know you're going to have a beautiful place you're going to have just you're Mm -hmm. going to be king and queen for that day but then you're going to be an ordinary married couple like everybody else the very next day and and (laughs) what are you going to do with the rest of that with the rest of your life and so to be able to concentrate on something like that and the very folks that you have contributing uh uh, in in that uh, in that section, there are, are high powered people. So, uh, boy, that yeah, that is fantastic yeah. that 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 segment is there. All right, is that all? Is that all you have for the uh, for the Clarion Herald this time, or what else you got for me? Yeah, well, we got kids. Uh, this this is Gabby's Gabby's uh, favorite section. Is kids Clarion is one Oh, oh kids Clarion, Gabby. So yeah, so Love it. Go. they just it's, are so inspiring. Head. You know, the kids are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great. So uh, there's there's a bunch of stories in there that will warm the hearts of of young parents and and other people as well, even grandparents. You know, so uh, it's it's a good section. Very good, very good. All right, Peter. So once again, I I need to get a copy of this. Where can I get it? You can get it at church this weekend in the Archdiocese of New Orleans uh, at Mass, and also it's online uh, right now at Clarion Herald. 
Clarionherald.org. Clarionherald.org. That's all right. I got my Irish up. Yeah. <laughs> my Irish mixed in my throat. <laughs> you're still recovering. <laughs> so, uh, I'm still you're gonna, recovering. You're going you're to go out and get one of those big old Irish breakfasts like they had? Did you, were you able to have one of those? Oh, so. man. It, it, every morning was just, uh, it, it was incredible. I've never you know, seen anything like, like an Irish breakfast. If anybody ever had the chance, yeah. to go, go. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you. Peter, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Y'all, that's, uh, uh, I did have an Irish breakfast uh, once, and you, you wouldn't believe what's on it. It, it. It's not just your typical bacon and eggs. They have something that looks like a pork chop called a rasher, and then you have two different kinds of pudding, mm. which is a sausage, and then you have beans, along with your eggs, along with your In your, the morning. Beans. In the morning. Yeah, well, because, I mean, you know, in Ireland, you're going to get out there, and you're going to start farming uh, right away, and raising horses, and, you know, uh, sheep and stuff like that. Is there a time when you... The, the beer starts flowing at 9 a.m., right? I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been well, to Ireland, the, but you know what? I'm willing to explore you know. that. <laughs> it's the names what, of all these foods. Here. They poppers and snappers and I don't know. you got such Rashers. interesting names for fresh Bangers and mash. That's later on in the day. Bangers. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Bangers and mash. Okay. <laughs> later on in the, during the day. Hey, let's talk about Catholic Man Night coming up. We got uh, that is coming up. Yes. And look, tickets are selling like crazy. I, th- this is kind of caught off, off guard, too, because we're not used to having this many tickets sold at once. It's November 8th, twenty. 23 of course it's 125 a person our guest speaker will be mike fulmer this is going to be at white oak plantation you don't want to miss it if you've been there you gotta jump on guys and register because we we don't have a lot of tickets left now we're starting to keep a close count on that so be sure and join us for that all right, we're coming back. Uh, we're coming to the bottom of the hour. When we come back, Gabby's going to be talking to Dr. Tom Neal in Florida. So tune your heart to the truth right here on Wake Up. It's 35 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Johnny Abair and David Dawson. Our next guest is Dr. Tom Neal. Dr. Neal is the Chief of Evangelization and Mission Engagement of the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. Dr. Neal, I was over in your diocese over the weekend. It was beautiful weather and just absolute paradise. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. It's a great pleasure to be with you, and, and you uh, got to hear our bishop, too, you said, huh? Yes. Uh, the, your, there were three children, not children, three young adults being confirmed <laughs> over the weekend, and he was there, and just an amazing homilist, uh, really good uh, bishops. So you guys are very lucky, very dynamic. We are. We're, yeah, we're very blessed. Uh, bishop Bill Walk, just uh, a yeah, great, great, great man. So, I'm glad you were over this way. It's good to be back with you. Yes. Well, we're talking about something I heard many times, and that's offer it up. So what is the spiritual value of this phrase? Just just offer it up. Offer it up. <laughs> Walk it off. <laughs> offer it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard, I heard uh, Dave say earlier, yeah, sometimes it can be said too many times. You lose, lose the beauty of, of what it means. But uh, it is. It's very much 
kind of a Catholic culture thing, and, 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 and unfortunately, it's been lost, I think, in younger generations, the, the beauty of it. Um, I remember when uh, our son Nicholas was little, Patty, my wife, used to always say, offer it up to the kids when there'd be some kind of, you know, challenge or something. And I remember Nicholas, who's like our logician, you know, the logical kid who ended up getting his degree in physics. I remember him asking one time, we said, offer it up. And he said, well, where does it go? That's a profound question. Um, mm. And I also thought of uh, my great-grandmother, Grandma Bridget McKenna. Uh, she evidently, I didn't know her, so she died before I was old enough to remember her, but she used to say this great phrase, uh, she'd say, she'd say, you know, don't complain, offer it up. And then she'd say, because when you complain, you don't offer it to him, you throw it in his face. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was a very well striking image. Yeah. But, 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 you know, uh, what the thing about offer it up that, that is, is it's more than a Catholic kind of, you know, suck it up phrase. You know, it's more than just a Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. deal with it. Shut your mouth. It's not. It's not really that. Although we can certainly do that. It's much more profound than that. Um, and we usually think of offering it up as just offering up the, the tough stuff, right? The sacrifices, the suffering, the inconvenience, and, and it's truly those. I mean, those are powerful things to offer up because offering up things to God is spiritually powerful. But but really, offering it up is offering everything of your life. To God. Uh, there's a beautiful prayer we pray as Catholics called the Morning Offering, which says we offer to you our prayers, works, joys, joys and sufferings. And sufferings. Yeah. So offer to God your joy during the day. How many people think of that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an offering of everything in your life. St. Paul in Romans chapter 12 says beautifully, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Um, really what he means there is not just your body physically, but everything you do in your body, you give back to him. And, and there's kind of a, a, a powerful theological context for this, which is this. You know, in our thinking as Catholics, as Christians, um, we think that everything that exists in this world is a gift given from God, right? Everything comes from God as a gift, but in the end, everything must return back to God, as a gift from us back to him. So you can think of life as, like at the moment of conception, we come into existence uh, as a pure gift, and then at the end of life, at the moment of death, we must return everything back to him totally. And everything we do between is, is a stewarding of the gift we've been given and an, a progressive offering of it back to God the way that he wants it to be offered back, which is by living a life of love, by living a life of forgiveness, as Johnny Aber talked about earlier with uh, Immaculate, by living a life uh, that helps to repair the damage that we've done to the gift back to God, uh, which is what Christ came into the world to empower us to do to help repair the gift that's been so damaged by our life. And then we offer that, that, that repair work we've spent our day doing in all of our activities back to him as a gift with Christ. And, and, and so let me connect this finally to the, the offer-it-up moment of all offer-it-up moments, which is in the Mass. It's called the offertory, mm-hmm. which is the mm-hmm. offer-it-up moment for, for all the faithful. We bring up the gifts of bread and wine and our gifts for the poor. Those are all symbols of everything we've done during the week. All of our prayers, work, stories, and sufferings are compressed into those symbols. Um, and then at the moment of the offertory, we offer everything back to 
God by joining it to the sacrifice of Christ, who then gives it to the Father with us as an eternal gift. And then God makes use of everything we give him as material to recreate and redeem and heal and repair this world. It becomes very spiritually powerful. And I'll end with a story which is from 9-11, September 11th, of the Twin Towers. There's a you know, well-known story of Father Michael Judge, Franciscan chaplain for the fire department in mm-hmm. Manhattan, who, uh, after the first tower is struck and then the second tower is struck, is called over to the towers to minister to the firefighters and the emergency workers. And he's there working with them, blessing them, blessing the dead, you know, here the last last rites of anointing uh, all the kind of sacraments and trying to comfort the firefighters, encouraging them as the firefighters run up the stairs for people, encouraging them to to be willing to offer themselves literally up the building for these people to try to try to repair mm-hmm. the damage done by the terrorists. And and he uh, the report is that during the middle of all this, when the when the first tower collapsed and he was in the second tower, he had a heart attack and dropped mm-hmm. to the ground dead. Which is which is which is tragic, Amazing. but but yeah. what a beautiful thing his love right. for these men, and so the the men picked his body up on a chair and carried him to St. Peter's Church, the closest church, broke the door open and laid his body in front of the altar. Mm. Uh, that is the offertory. Mm. That wow. is the offer at that moment. Right, his whole being was for these men, love of neighbor, and therefore he loved God by loving these men and bringing them the comfort of Christ himself. So, so that's what Offer It Up is. So during the day, make intentions constantly to give back to God every gift you've been given and the labors you go through to try to repair the damage done to those gifts by your forgiveness, by your love, by your patience, by your kindness, all, all the things you do. Give it to him, and he'll make use of it to great effect. Very powerful. Wow. Wow. Well, Dr. Neal, I've also heard, you know, offer it up for someone in need. So give your pain and transform it into grace for someone in need or a situation that really needs prayers. What are your thoughts on something like that? Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. I'm glad you said that, Gabby. So, you know, there's... in our spiritual life, there's this extraordinary power God has given us, which is free will. And one of the things that our freedom can do is to intend particular things, right? In other words, we can do things for a reason, right? For a reason. So uh, if I have suffering or difficulty or, or just my work of the day or my whatever it is, my choice, and I want to give those to God in the name of some person and ask God, would you please make use of all these things I'm giving you um, for the sake of the well-being of this person. And then we entrust it to him. Of course, mm-hmm. we let him distribute it, make use of it as he wills. But he, he respects the intention we have, how we want our gifts to be used and stewarded. Um, so, so there's a power in intending a particular thing during the day, like you just said. So for a person you know who's going through a difficult time, I offer all of this for that person, Lord. And the last thing I'll say on that is, is Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, when he's talking about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, that the most powerful prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is the one done in secret. In other words, you don't tell people about it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. just do it mm-hmm. for the Lord. You tell him that you're offering mm-hmm. this for him. Um, this is just mm-hmm. for, for him and for the person and not for people to you know, say, oh, you're amazing or you're wonderful. Uh, yes. just, just do it intentionally throughout the day. My wife, when she takes walks, uh, during the during the day, she'll pick up trash everywhere she goes, and she'll offer each of those up for some particular intention. Mm. Um, it's not not something that that people will you know will applaud, etc. Those are tiny little things, right. but in the kingdom, small things done with great love are omnipotent. Wow. 
Wow. My goodness. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Neil. I always appreciate your stories and your insights. Just so easy to understand and for us to implement throughout the day. Dr. Tom Neal, Chief of Evangelization and Mission Engagement of the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. Stay with us. Jordan Haddad joins us. When we come back from the break, we're talking about faith and reason. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. past the hour so glad you have joined us you have tuned your heart to the truth tell others about catholic radio especially any of you involved in rcia or now called ocia Mm. speaking of truth you know i don't know where else you can tune in and listen to two theology professors in one morning and we are going to continue pick up uh, with dr tom neal we're picking up this morning with jordan haddad who is the professor of dogmatic theology at notre dame seminary and he's also the president of the saint louis the ninth art society and we're continuing our series of Catholic 101 segment, and speaking of RCIA, kind of fit in with that. Good morning, Dr. Haddad. Good morning. It's good to be with y'all. Lovely weather to have so, <laughs> yeah, That's right. We need it. Well, so <laughs> our topic this morning as we're picking up where we left off is faith and reason. I guess the question is, is it faith and reason, or is it Faith versus reason seems to be the latter these days. What do you, what say ye or the catechism? Right. Um, yeah, that's exactly one of the, the difficulties that we Catholics face today, um, both within the Church as well as with our non-Catholic brothers and sisters that we want to share the Gospel with. Oftentimes, it seems like the Catholic faith is more of a faith or reason uh, rather than a faith and reason relationship. And that's really a tragic misunderstanding that so many non-Catholics think that the Christian faith is in and of itself, you know, against reason, contrary to reason. And even some Catholics themselves are guilty of this assumption when they think that um, to be a good Catholic, to be a good Christian means you know, to avoid asking questions or avoid asking difficult questions or exploring what God has revealed or what the Church teaches and why, you know, because there might be this fear that if they turn over too many rocks, then it will all be shown to be a farce. And so we kind of walk on eggshells when it comes to the faith that we profess to believe, Um, when in reality, the Lord gives us the gift of reason um, as as a way of, of coming to know the truth more deeply, not in a uh, not in a way that's opposed to faith, but is mutually complementary to it. And and interestingly, the church actually, you know, we think about the church, you know, condemning certain heretical ideas, certain ideas that are contrary to what God has revealed, and the church actually condemns as deeply erroneous the idea that faith and reason are at odds, or even could be really at odds with one another, that they're opposed to one another. She condemns the idea that to believe by faith means to not think, and to think rationally means to abandon faith. Um, And instead, we Catholics hold this definitive Catholic doctrine that between faith and reason, there exists a true harmony, a true complementarity, 
such that to be a believer actually means to be a passionate seeker and lover of the truth. And to be a truth seeker means to ultimately find rest and fulfillment in the Christian mysteries that we believe by faith. And so faith and reason, in other words, just to sort of summarize and sum up here, um, and are not at odds with one another, but in the words of Pope John Paul II, in the opening line of his landmark encyclical, Fides et Ratio, Faith and Reason, he says, faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the, compl- the contemplation of truth. And God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth and a word to know himself, so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. So that's just a really beautiful mm. image to keep in mind and kind of meditate yeah. upon this morning and today. Faith and reason is these two wings that only when are used in unison are capable of bringing us, you know, higher and higher into the depths and the heights and the expanse of, of, of the truth that ultimately God is. You know, I love those quotes and those images. In fact, I just finished reading Dr. Christopher Baglow's book, Faith, Science, and Reason, Theology on the Cutting Edge. And he uses this, he uses, uh, uh, he imagines, for example, that an alien comes and lands at a music festival and the alien asks, how do we make, how do you make that music? And so the, the person pulls out the music sheet and shows the notes and all this stuff. And then the alien goes, mm-hmm. says, yeah, but why is everyone so excited about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought that was a good, good analogy. And then the other one I really liked, uh, Dr. Dr. Dad, is that, uh, so a rabbi said, science takes things apart to see how they work. Religion brings things together to see what they mean. And then finally, I love this last one by C.S. Lewis. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. So this, this complementarity and seeing the whole, uh, that's, the, that's, that's the, the, I guess, the synthesis of these two, uh, in a sense. But they put it that way. Yeah, and what you're getting at is a really important point, because... In, you know, there's a deep irony that's at play in this modern age in which we live, this modern age in which we think of as being liberated from things like um, arbitrary obedience to authority, you know, being limited, you know, being, being, um, um, being free from things like the Dark Ages and the myths and, you know, all these you know, right. different fictions that we can come up with to explain the world around us. There's a deep irony at play, because this modern age, which we tend to associate in a one-to-one sort of way with, with reason, with reasonableness and science and, and truth, is actually, it actually manifests a great narrowing of reason. And it's John Paul II, because, because we tend to think of the truth in a very limited way. You know, truth only right. as those, those push-and-pull causes that make you know, atoms and molecules and material things go. And we think of everything right. as reducible to these tiny little component parts that lack, that really lack integrity and meaning as wholes, and, are, and, and, and truth is only to be found in, 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 in the modern sciences. And the modern sciences are a tremendous so gift, true. Right? and I love, I love exploring them and thinking about the relationship between scientific knowledge and the Christian mm-hmm. faith. But what's lost when we narrow the scope of reason 
what's lost is the wider expanse of truth. And ironically, oh, exactly. it's, the Pope. Yeah. it's Pope John Paul II in Fides et Ratio who's calling on the world to be open to reason. I mean, like the Pope, the leader of the largest yes. religious body in the world, you know, is calling on the world to be more reasonable, to be more passionate more. about seeking out the truth. And to allow that yes, truth, truth a, to expand beyond, you know, the scientific to to explore questions of meaning, like you mentioned, you know, right, questions of right. meaning and purpose, uh, which we find ultimately in its in its greatest form in in religion, and of course in our in our Christian and Catholic faith. Yes, and in our Lord. Well, we're running out of time. Uh, how can we keep up with you, Doctor Haddad? Yeah, so uh, at the seminary, uh, keep up with our celebration of our 100-year anniversary on our website and social media, uh, nds.edu. And then I think I'll be back on tomorrow to talk about our upcoming yeah. soiree with the St. Louis tonight. Yes. yes. Well, well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We'll, well, we'll catch you up again then tomorrow and again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Oh, well, yeah, expand our God, not reduce our God. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, mm-hmm. let's go out in prayer this morning. All right, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, as we begin this day, may we look to you alone to give us all we need to do your will, feeding on your word and the blessed sacrament to sustain us, receiving your sacraments that forgive and heal us, and trusting that you will guard us against taking the way that leads to sin. For your name is indeed holy, and your kingdom even now lives within us who believe in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Deliverer and our Redeemer. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.